You are listening to Discover, a podcast from the DIS Team Ministry. Well, welcome to our second podcast, this time on the subject of Christmas and thinking about it and, and how we make sense of it. This year's Christmas is going to be very different from all previous years, and we'll explore that in this podcast today. I'm joined today by my two assistant clergy in the DIS team ministry, Reverend Samuel Thorpe, stipendary minister, and the Reverend Maggie Swayze, the non-stipendary minister, but both very important members of our team. And we'll begin with a nice, easy sort of starter for 10, really, by asking both of them what they like about Christmas and how they enjoy themselves. So let's start with Maggie. Maggie, what's Christmas like for you? Well, I've always loved Christmas, always. Unfortunately, in my house, there's somebody else who doesn't like it quite so much. So when I get very enthusiastic, it goes down a bit like a lead balloon sometimes, but I keep up, keep up at it. I've always loved it. I love having my family around me particularly at that time, which this year is going to be a bit difficult because it's going to have to be staggered um, because they're all working. Uh, And I love everything about it, the tree, the food, everything. And I was trying to think um, where it started for me. And obviously it was when I was a very small child, Christmas, But it wasn't the presents and it wasn't things like that. It was school. I went to school when I was four and my parents sent me to a a Catholic convent school because they didn't like the idea of the local council school. And it's a good job for me that they did because I wouldn't be where I am today, I don't think. But Christmas, I've got three memories of Christmas and two were at school. First of all, we didn't have school assemblies except sort of in Lent and Advent. And we had an Advent candle holder. And of course, didn't understand what Advent was then. But we had this and it was hanging from the ceiling. And I can remember being hoisted up by one of the nuns, lifted high to light the candle and that is a a memory and the other thing was uh, rather more mundane but around about Christmas time or whenever there was a special day a smell would pervade the convent of gingerbread because I think a lot of the nuns were German and they always cooked us biscuits so at Christmas, there was all, before the end of term, we had a special biscuit, which we could eat and took home. I remember the Valentine days one had, had pink icing on, they were lovely. So those were two early memories that have stuck in my mind about Christmas. And the other one was from home, which made it special. We lived in a terrace house, which had a large room at the front and a smaller one at the back, as they do. Most of the year we lived in the back room, but at Christmas we moved into the front room 
where we had a big tree and it was very special. So those are sort of the memories that come back to me from childhood that are stuck with me, really. Thank and you. Um, that's, that's really helpful. Let's, let's give Samuel a chance as well. Say what, 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 what he remembers and loves most about Christmas. Samuel. Well, I'm afraid that if Maggie is the enthusiastic one in her household, I'm the corresponding opposite in our household. Christmas is something that I've very much had to learn to enjoy, partly because I've always found it quite difficult receiving gifts from people. I've always found that a little bit, I don't know, it's felt like there was a pressure on that somehow, sort of trying to, how well do they know me and how well can I give them something back and all of that kind of thing. So it's, whilst presents are nice, they're not the main part of Christmas for me. But then my Christmases have become much more involved in recent times since getting married because we have, as every family does, a combination of different Christmas traditions. And it wasn't until we got married that I realised how many things I sort of liked about my Christmas, which are now different now that I'm married, not just to Linnea being Linnea, but Linnea being Swedish. And so in Sweden, they celebrate their Christmas festivities on the 24th, on Christmas Eve, much as they do in Germany and elsewhere. And so that means that our Christmases at the moment mean that we have Christmas stockings on the 24th. We get those early. We end up having a Swedish Christmas dinner at some point on Christmas Eve day, depending on what services and so on I've got to go to. They always watch what is it? There's a cartoon that they always watch. I talked about it at the midnight service last year, Tony. Can you remember what it was? It was... Um, no, I can't actually. No, sorry. It was Goofy or a Disney movie of some sort, but there's a Christmas movie that they always watch together. It was in my mind and it's gone. But so we watch that. And then on Christmas Day, we then have Christmas presents, normally after lunch, and then the English Christmas dinner. So it all becomes a multi-day spread out thing. And then on Boxing Day, my family would often then meet up on Boxing Day, and we would get little presents from the Christmas tree, which is something that apparently not every family does. I was quite surprised at school to learn that my friend didn't get a book or a CD from the Christmas tree on Boxing Day. But it was something that my grandma started with my parents and my mum and her siblings and so it's sort of just been carried on. Well this is lovely hearing all these different traditions but of course it might be worth uh, our listeners hearing that that Christmas in the Bible is not is not exactly dominant it's only one of the gospels that really tells us about shepherds and angels and cribs uh, that's the Gospel of Luke. The, the, the other Gospels are fairly silent. Matthew makes a reference to the visit of wise men and Joseph having a dream just before he becomes involved with Mary. But, but there's very little about the usual Christmas story other than in Luke's Gospel. Also, it's true to say that it took the church itself quite a few years before it really embraced what might be called the festival of Christmas. We, we, we know from archaeological evidence that by the fourth century there were things going on, but in the very early days, Christmas didn't seem to be huge. So let me ask you, and this time I'll start with Samuel, 
Does that bother you that there's very little in the Bible that helps us to celebrate Christmas? Well, it's like when you have those little puddings in a restaurant, a sort of a chocolate pot or whatever it might be, often with a strawberry or a raspberry on top. Those are the kinds of things I go for, where, you know, it's a small little cup filled with rich chocolate. And I tend to find that, you know, you look at it and it arrives and you're like, oh, this looks tasty, but there's not very much of it. And then you take a spoonful and you're like, mm, nom, nom, nom. You take another couple of spoonfuls and you suddenly realise by the time you're getting towards the end that it's incredibly rich and that actually you're quite glad that you didn't have lots and lots of what looked like a small cake being a larger cake. And I think that Christmas in the Bible is kind of similar. It might not be a big deal in terms of numbers of pages devoted to it in the Bible, but it is definitely a very rich moment because after all, you look, it another way and you look throughout the whole of the old testament and realize that this is the moment that everyone's been waiting for but it's rather like marriage in a sense lots of people get caught up in looking at the wedding day and the white dress and what we're going to have at the reception and the wine and the flowers and we have to remember that the wedding of a married couple is the beginning of their life together so just as christmas is very much a long awaited and very rich moment it's a moment which launches the rest of the Gospels and actually its significance comes from what Jesus goes on to do through his teaching and his healing and his ministry. And there's a lot that I could get excited about there. Mm, OK, we'll come back to you for a moment. But Maggie, what about you? I think you come to a better understanding of it when you read John's Gospel and the prologue. And of course, everything has to have a beginning. So... You had Jesus, you had to have a beginning somewhere, and that's what Christmas is. But I think, unfortunately, for most people, it is lost. It's lost now in the commercialism, etc. Does that bother you? That it's, it's yes, it does. It, yes, very much. Christmas now seems to be a very sprawly festival because it, it starts so early in, in commercial terms. Whereas, really, it shouldn't start till Christmas Eve, should it? And we still don't put our Christmas tree up till Christmas Eve. We never have. And my, my children as well don't. So what um, do you make of those people who, who've got their Christmas trees up in early November? Well, I, I honestly don't think they understand <laughs> what it's all about. I mean, we heard the podcast about Advent. And the Advent isn't Christmas. It's just getting ready for it, waiting for it. And I think to have all the hype so early just flattens it, really. But then after it's done, a couple of days after Christmas, for most people, it's finished. Whereas, if I'm right, in Victorian times, which is when this all this began to be hyped up, I think, Christmas actually went on till Candlemas. You didn't take the decorations down till Candlemas. Which where, is where, a, when is Candlemas? Where, where, what we're that's in February, about? 40 days after Christmas, isn't right. it? Okay, thank you. Yeah, 40 days after Christmas. When, of course, we think about Simeon and Anna, who were telling us that Christ, the light, was for the whole world, was for everybody. 
And that really is the ongoing message. Can I just push you a bit? I mean, is it not the case that to ask people to start, at, say, in mid-November and go right through to the beginning of February is too long? Oh, yes, it's you too long. That's what I'm saying. It's all, it's all gone wrong for me. How do you reclaim it then? How do you reclaim it back? Yes, I think it's for us to reclaim it back. Particularly, I, mean, I think we have to educate our children and our grandchildren. And we have to really keep to the forefront what it's all about, what we are celebrating. We are and celebrating the incarnation. That's why we give each other gifts, Samuel, because God gave us a gift of Jesus. So, do you have any tips to people in terms of reclaiming it? What, what, what could people do? Well, I think as Christians, we must witness to it. I mean, in, in my house, we always have a crib for people to see if they come. Um, I personally still light an Advent candle, <laughs> even though I'm grown up. We do the same. We have uh, yeah. sort of four candles that we have on our dining room table yeah. and light one uh, on the first Sunday of Advent and do it all the way through. It's quite a nice way of sort of preparing and then it's nice on Christmas Day to have that and another candle all lit on the table. Yes, so. like we do in the church, yes. Mm. Yeah. But the church itself, I think this year it's rather sad because... The, the town is lit up already, but as before, as it's been said, our church is there, but it's not lit up. It's it's really hidden. Um, is that though partly because it, 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 it can't be lit up until the 25th of December? Uh, in a sense, it celebrates partly uh, the darkness, doesn't it? In the yes, yes. But even so, we we, we don't do that. I think um, we should be a bit more visual somehow. Particularly now, if the church can't be open. I understand there were some some plans to put a crib scene under the tower. We're hoping to have something underneath yeah. the tower. Yes. Yeah. I mean, which would be really good, I think. We must be seen to celebrate what we're celebrating. How about you, Samuel? What would you say about how to reclaim Christmas as a kind of Christian festival? Well, I think that there's a lot made about the world not being the church, i.e. the shops start Christmas so early, and yes, that's a a frustration to those of us that like Christmas and appreciate the theological and Christian side of things. But the way to combat that is not just to be annoyed on Facebook and say, oh, it's dreadful that the supermarket has started selling tinsel in October or even September and August, but rather to actually focus on it ourselves. I think that if we are able to cultivate in ourselves more of a sense of prayer and creating a space of reflection even on a busy day with family sort of saying okay at christmas i think christmas is important because of god coming into the world to meet me and tell me that he loves me and to offer a hope of salvation and there's forgiveness for my sins then creating a small moment in your day where you can have a sense of reflection and prayer 
And being visible with your family, this is a part of Christmas that you think is important. I think that that's the way that we slowly go about reclaiming things. We sort of focus on it ourselves. Those that are around us see how it works. And hopefully they will be encouraged to take part in sort of that more reflective moment and acknowledging what it's really about. And then they'll talk about it with their friends and family. For instance, if you have grandkids that come around, they say, well, you know, granddad said that we had to sit still and listen to this story from, you know, this book. And it was this story. And that was what we did. And then afterwards, we were able to do X, Y, Z. It becomes a bit more of a sense of an awareness, maybe not an understanding, but an awareness amongst people. So I want to say that to reclaim Christmas, we just need to focus on doing Christmas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that might look different in each of our different households. Have you found any particular um, sort of traditions of the Christmas season that perhaps the general public also share in and do that helps to heighten the Christian festival of Christmas? I think that one of the things that we used to do when I was uh, younger as we used to have that sort of dead space between coming home from church and having Christmas dinner um, particularly when I was younger you know mum would do it all on her own and actually what dad used to do was he used to take us out for a drive and that was our sort of a quieter time we'd go for a drive around the local area and come back and it was a good opportunity to talk and he would sort of you know ask what we thought about the Christmas story and I think that that's something that actually the Jews do at Passover. They encourage the youngest one present to say, so what's the story? And they tell the story and then they talk about the story a bit as part of their day. And so I think that sort of telling the story together and talking about the story is a good option. I haven't done it specifically for Christmas, but one thing that I found I quite like doing for those familiar Bible passages that are perhaps too familiar so that I'm almost glancing over the words rather than reading them properly is listening to the bible and i've got a bible app on my phone called dwell which i really like it's got several different versions of the bible and it's got different voices and you can change the background music so you can either listen to it just as a voice or you can listen to it with a quiet piano music or harp music or something a bit more rocky if that's your speed but it's quite different listening to a story or a piece of scripture that you're very familiar with because it gives you a slightly different perspective on it and you notice things that you don't ordinarily notice. So if you're not able to share the story with people on the day and to discuss it with them, I think listening to it somewhere, there's plenty of videos on YouTube or different Bible apps that would do that, um, could be a good thing to do. How about you, Maggie? Have you found anything? Well, I always, um, on Christmas Eve, usually, do read through the story myself, again, to refresh it. Because although we hear it over and over again, I think we need to, to read it ourselves and reflect on it. And of course, generally, there are, I mean, we still get things like nativity plays, you know, which parents go and see even though they might have tortoises and odd things around the crib but um there are still those of course and carols i mean 
a classic FM has started playing Christmas music today. Oh, so December, yes. But that, 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 of course, keys in to what we were saying about celebrating Christmas before it's supposed to be celebrated. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, can I just ask you, you've just mentioned for the first time in this podcast the word carols. Now, this year is going to be very different, isn't it? Because this, for this year, uh, church people who also, like everyone else, love singing carols, or most of them do, are going to find it very difficult to do that because, you know, there is this sort of, in inverted commas, ban on singing in public spaces. Will that be a big loss this year, not to be able to sing carols? I shall miss the carol service. I, I, I do love that, and I think many people do. And the lunchtime carols will be missed by many. Um, well, by all of us, I think. No, but by many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that will be missed. We are allowed to go carol singing outside, aren't we? Yes, as long as one's yeah. socially distanced between yeah. each singer. Yes, that's possible. Yeah. Um, whether people will do that is... is I don't think they matter. will. But how about Samuel? What, what do you think on this subject? Well, my favourite form of carols is normally the heavy metal covers that various different bands do. So I'm not sure that I'm going to be treated as an authoritative um, voice on carols. But I think it's interesting to note that even with carols, I mean, for instance, one of my favourites, it's kind of not really Christmassy at all, other than the fact that it's traditionally Christmassy. And that's Good King Wenceslas. You know, it's a great story. I love the tune. I love it when uh, you get a good group perform it well. It's got nothing to do with Christmas, really. And I think that some of our Christmas carols are a bit more cultural, even than we we sort of have this tendency to think that we're getting away from a commercial Christmas by looking at the carol Christmas. But not even all of the carols are necessarily helpful for us really thinking about what Christmas is all about. Some of them are. I'm just being a, a bit of a downer on cows, I'm afraid. An interesting opportunity for people to perhaps, it's good for us to do something slightly different and to not have an overabundance of cows this year might mean in future years that we'll pay a little bit more attention to them and actually appreciate them for what they do say rather than just being the nice tunes we're so familiar with. Well, our time is coming to an end. Let me just ask you this final question. Oh, years and years and years ago, you, Maggie, gave me a a Christmas present, and it's a picture of Santa Claus hiding under a duvet cover saying, tell me when it's all over. (laughs) And I think you gave it to me because you know that I'm not a great uh, sort of passionate Christmas person. How would you what would you say to someone who really isn't into the Christmas gig at all? What, just in literally just a few words, what would you try to say to a person who says Christmas is for the fairies, really? It's a, it's a fairy tale that's got nothing to do with anything. Mm. It depends, first of all, whether they whether they believe in a God at all, doesn't it? If they do, I would just remind them, well, think about what a great gift God gave to us at Christmas. If they don't believe in a God at all, then that's a rather difficult question. 
Samuel, would you like to? My answer is that Christmas, the significance of Christmas, cannot be overstated. When we step away from the Christmas trees and the tinsels and the baubles, and we look at the reality of God becoming man, becoming human, part of creation, that is of immeasurable significance, such to the point that when you extrapolate all of the theological and conceptual ideas at play, philosophically and epistemologically as well, I believe that Christmas is actually at the heart of how we can know anything about anything at all. It's implicit within our understanding of reality and the idea that ideas correlate to things. Now, I know that that's a big and heavy thing, and I could talk for hours about that, but it really does give me a sense that Christmas is so important to remember and to hold on to. And so if we can take those moments to be quiet and to pray and to remember the story and to recognize that actually God is God, and yet he became just like you and me, that's really quite something. Well, may I take this opportunity to thank both Maggie and Samuel for their contributions this morning. And I'm sure they, uh, with me, would want to wish everyone a very happy Christmas in whatever way we choose to celebrate it. May it truly be a season of comfort and joy. And this year, as we, as it were, misquote our Prime Minister, it should also be a season of uh, being jolly careful too. Best wishes to you all. I'm sure there will be another podcast coming soon. But for now, thank you and Happy Christmas.